the long-awaited return of the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast, Nest Talk, is upon us. Hello everyone, I am Christopher Linfont, and welcome to Nest Talk. What a day it is to come back. We've got a great show for you today, so sit back and relax as we talk about the latest Ravens news, opinions, and updates here on Nest Talk. But first, let's start out with the Patriots and Rams Super Bowl game. Obviously, most of America did not want the Patriots to win, and yet Tom Brady and the Patriots found another way to win yet another Super Bowl, this time in a very low-scoring affair. The, the Patriots' defense dominated the Rams' offense, which is a shock to all those Sean McVay um, coaching tree hires out there. Um, they were running wild this offseason, trying to pick up every man who ever spoke with Sean McVay about anything. He could have been in a coffee shop sitting next to Sean McVay, and he probably got a job for an NFL head coaching opportunity. Um, that's how much Sean McVay is considered an offensive genius and how much people want to get um, that offensive genius to their teams. Uh, and that offensive genius didn't really work out against the Patriots, only could put up three points against them, uh, and the Patriots ended up winning the game. So another win for the Patriots, another loss for America. But in all seriousness, um, the Patriots had a great game. Uh, the Patriots, obviously, this is the greatest dynasty we're ever going to see in football and it's almost over. Brady is getting older. So you know what? As much as we don't like to see them win, you got to enjoy it while it lasts because we're never going to see this again. Um, but it was a good Super Bowl. A lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people thought it was too low scoring. I like a good defensive game as long as it's not sloppy offense. I thought the Rams' offense in the first half was a bit sloppy, but the second half it was better. Um, so just overall great defensive game between these two teams. Um, but into the Ravens news, I mentioned it's a great day to come back, and it's a great day to come back and start this podcast because in the dead of February, one of the months where mostly nothing happens in the NFL, we finally get some Ravens news, and this is actually humongous news. This is the news that Ravens fans everywhere have been waiting for for quite a little while now. Uh, Joe Flacco, the franchise quarterback, the 11-year veteran, the elite Joe Flacco, Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco, is on his way out from Baltimore. Uh, we all knew this was coming. The Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson in the first round. The end of the first round, they traded back into it uh, in 2018 to be the quarterback of the future. They gave Joe Flacco the chance to you know, finish out what he could, but at the end of the day, Flacco got hurt uh, in Week 9, and Lamar Jackson came out in Week 11 as a starter, and he just took over from there, and the offense was his. So Flacco... Um, He's out of town now. He'll be traded off to Denver when the new league year starts on March 13th at 4 p.m. The Ravens have reached a deal in principle. This was originally reported by Adam Schefter of ESPN and picked up by Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and other NFL insiders um, who could confirm that this is exactly what's going on. The Ravens did reach a deal in principle with the Denver Broncos to trade Joe Flacco there. Uh, Ravens fans and, of course, Denver fans and NFL fans alike will all remember Joe Flacco's amazing mile-high miracle uh, that happened in Denver. Um, so he's got some history playing in Denver. Uh, now he'll be playing for the Broncos. Um, and the deal in principle uh, is suggested by Ian Rappaport and other reports um, that this is a mid-round pick for the Ravens, um, and most likely a fourth-round pick. So, assuming the Ravens get that fourth-round pick, that's what we're going to do now. We're going to assume that is the case. Um, so, a fourth-round pick for Joe Flacco is a lot more than a lot of people thought the Baltimore Ravens would get for um, Joe Flacco. A lot of people thought that they would have to release Flacco, that the market wouldn't wouldn't be good for Flacco, that there's other quarterbacks on the market, Nick Foles, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, other guys out there who would get, you know, 
the nod before Flacco, but he is the first quarterback domino to fall here. Um, yeah, you, you know, it hasn't really set in quite yet that he's not going to be the quarterback anymore. Um, but it's going to be really weird to see him in that Denver Broncos jersey this preseason. It's going to be really weird. Um, you know, I, for one, really appreciate Joe Flacco and what he did in Baltimore. Um, not only was he a fantastic quarterback here, but, you know, he was just a class act all around. And to see him go like this is not ideal after 11 years. Um, 11 years as the starter, of course, the final year he in that that, that 11, um, he lost his starter gig because of injury. But, you know, Flacco's time here was nothing short of magnificent. Uh, truly an elite quarterback, especially in those first six years or so. Um, up into 2014, uh, but then injuries started mounting. 2015, the ACL tear. 2016, he was recovering from it. 2017, you've got the back injury. Um, 2018, you've got the hip injury. Um, and they never really surrounded him with great weapons since that 2012 run. The loss of Dennis Pitta, trading away Anquan Bold, and Jacoby Jones was released a few years later. He fell off anyway. Um, I mean, they had Steve Smith for a couple of years, and he did really well here. But Mike Wallace was okay. Um, Pashad Perry never, Perryman never panned out for us, and Jeremy Macklin was a complete bust. And this year they, they brought in a bunch of weapons for him, and he was on pace for over 4,000 yards, uh, and it just couldn't be finished. So, you know what? This is not the ideal ending for the Flacco era, but at the end of the day, it's not so much about the ending. It's more about what happened during the era, and I think that Flacco's era here in Baltimore, those 11 spectacular years, um, they won't be forgotten anytime soon, and I hope he'll be placed in the Ring of Honor as soon as possible. Obviously, he probably won't be placed in the Ring of Honor right away because he will be with the Broncos, but the minute he retires, I would hope the Ravens give him a one-day contract uh, to retire a Baltimore Raven. Um, but I wish him all the best in Denver. I think he's going to do well there. He's got some weapons. He's got Emmanuel Sanders out there. Um, Cortland Sutton's out there. He's a guy that the Ravens were thinking about drafting this this past year. You got Philip Lindsay at running back, and you got that elite defense. I think that this team is really just a quarterback away. And to all those comparisons that Joe Flacco was just Case Keenum, that's certainly not the case. <laughs> no pun intended. But um, no, Flacco is much better than Case Keenum. Flacco is a top 10 quarterback when you surround him with weapons he can use, and I think the Broncos might just might have those weapons. Um, so we'll have to see how this plays out for the Broncos, for Flacco, for the Ravens, what they do with this pick. Um, but this was coming. We all knew it was coming. Um, it's a bit of a sad day. It's a bittersweet day. It, it's, you know, you get something for him, but at the same time, you have to see him go. Um, and after 11 years, it's going to be really weird have, not having him on the team anymore. Um but hopefully he does well in Denver, and hopefully he can win another Super Bowl so long as he doesn't knock us out to do it. Um, that would be the ultimate irony if he was the one to knock the Ravens out in the AFC Championship game or something like that. Uh, you never know. But I think he's got at least three years in Denver. Um, he is 33 now, I believe. So he'll get three years out of this. And the Broncos will have to renegotiate his contract, of course, because his cap's his cap number is crazy for the next two years after this year. They're only going to have to pay, like, 16 million I think or maybe it's 10 I forget exactly um but it frees up part of Flacco's contract for the Ravens um by 16 million I believe if the 
Broncos should be paying somewhere between 10 and 16. I should have looked this up before I started the podcast, but off the top of my head, it's I think it's going to be a $10 million cap hit for the Broncos this year. Next year, it'll be in the 20s, and then 24 in, in 2021. So the Broncos will have to renegotiate his contract, but I'm sure Flacco will be open to that. It's better than, than getting cut again. Sorry, not again. Getting cut um, and moving again. Um, so, yeah. But Joe Flacco heading to the Broncos. Biggest news, perhaps of the offseason for the Baltimore Ravens. We'll have to see what he can do um, out here in Denver. Um, but, yeah, moving on, not to uh, stay on the topic of Joe Flacco forever here. Um, we're going to move on to some yay or nays. So we're going to talk about free agents uh, signings. Should the Ravens re-sign these free agents? I picked out five free agents I, I want to highlight here and say yay or nay. Yay is a yes. Yay is a no. The Ravens should resign these guys. Uh, let's start out with John Brown. John Brown, electric receiver. Um, you know, had a had a great great run with Joe Flacco at quarterback. Um, but I'm going to give him a nay to be resigned. Obviously, he's going to get some money out there from somebody else. And being paired with Lamar Jackson obviously didn't do him any favors. He was much better with Joe Flacco. So that's a nay for John Brown. I think that he goes out and finds some better money somewhere else with a different pair. Um, Maybe it's the Broncos, right? With Flacco out there now, maybe John Brown hits the Broncos um, as a new weapon for them. Pairing him with Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton would not be that bad of an idea if you're John Elway. Um, that could be a dangerous offense with all four of those guys, including Flacco. And, of course, Philip Lindsay um, in the backfield, the fantastic uh, – this was his rookie season. Fantastic runner. Had a great, great rookie season. Um, and I believe that, you know, they're going to be a good offense. I mean, if you put John Brown in the mix out there, uh, it might work out too. But there's a ton of teams that have been the market for a downfield wide receiver, and John Brown proves himself this year um, as, a, as a downfield wide receiver. I just don't think he's going to pair well with Lamar Jackson in the future. So I give him a nay. Um, Robert Griffin III, I'm going to say yay for Robert Griffin III. Um, obviously, you need a quarterback, a backup quarterback, who's going to be able to fit the system. Uh, Robert Griffin III, the mobile quarterback like Lamar Jackson, he can do the read option stuff. He can basically run any play that Lamar Jackson can run. Not a lot of guys can do that. I think RG3 provides a great option for the Ravens as a backup quarterback. I'm going to say yay for him. I hope they bring him back to a you know two or $3 million uh, annual deal. Um, that would be optimal for the Ravens. I think they can pull it off. I don't think there's going to be a huge market for him based on other quarterbacks that are getting on the market. Teddy Bridgewater, Nick Foles. Um, and then, of course, the draft guys like Drew Locke is out there. Um, I know Justin Herbert didn't come out this year, but there's some other guys, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, and we'll talk more about the draft as, as the weeks go on here. Um, I haven't finished my draft big board yet, but that's that's under un, underway, and there's big things to come with that. Um, but Robert Griffin III, I think, is the best option for the Ravens, unless they find a guy in the draft in the lower rounds who they think can be the backup to Lamar Jackson. But I always say it's better to have a veteran quarterback as the backup when you've got a young quarterback as your starter and if you've got a veteran quarterback as a starter you should have a young quarterback as the backup you should be always be ready um in that dimension so that if if a young guy isn't doing well the veteran can come in and and, and you know be able to run an offense and if the the veteran isn't doing well as a starter then a young guy could come in and potentially supplant him as a starter going forward so that's just what i think about the ravens should do here um and bring back RG3, that would be one of my top priorities. And that should be an easy priority. I don't really think it's going to be that difficult to re-sign RG3 this year. Um, he obviously had a pretty good year as a backup, got involved in some games, 
Um, and I think he, he, you know, he can he can play as the backup, not taking a whole lot of hits. Um, and he can still sling the ball. I'll tell you that he can do still do that. So, RG three, I think, earned his way to another year as the backup. Um, but moving on to Terrell Suggs, the longtime Raven, seventeen-year vet for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm gonna give an A. Uh, I love Terrell Suggs. Terrell Suggs is one of my favorite all-time players. He is a beast. Um, but the problem is. He's getting up there in age. His snap count is dwindling, and I think the Ravens, if they move on from him, can bring back Zedaria Smith as the guy instead and move on from Terrell Suggs. Uh, you know, it's it's not optimal that Terrell Suggs is going to leave. You know, you never want to see your veteran guy leave like this into free agency, but I think he might end up retiring after this year, uh, after this upcoming year. And I think it's better for the long-term plans of the Baltimore Ravens to go ahead and say, okay, let's re-sign Zedaria Smith now and let Suggs walk on his own terms here and see where he can end up if he decides to go somewhere or maybe he'll retire this offseason. I don't know. Um, but I would not recommend re-signing Terrell Suggs um, this offseason, although I do love Terrell Suggs very much and I appreciate what he's done here year after year. But I do not think it is you know, necessary to re-sign Terrell Suggs when you'd probably have to part ways with a much younger talent in Zedaria Smith, who did more this year than Terrell Suggs with more snap counts. So uh, I would be in favor of signing Zedaria Smith in favor of Terrell... I'm, I'm sorry, over Terrell Suggs. Um, Michael Pierce is a restricted free agent. This is a no-brainer. Michael Pierce is the best defensive tackle in the AFC North. I saw a pro football focus post. He was the highest graded defensive tackle in the AFC North. Uh, he might be one of the best tackles defensive tackles in the entire league at this point. Uh, Michael Pierce is a no-brainer pick for the Baltimore Ravens to re-sign. Um, there should absolutely be no reason that he ends up on the for the open market. They should extend him to a long-term contract now as a restricted free agent. Make sure he doesn't hit the open market. Make sure you get him in on a good deal for both sides. One that's not like Brandon Williams. When you have him hit the open market and he commands $52.5 million dollars and doesn't do exactly what you want. You got to hit Michael Pierce with a lower deal than that, and one he can agree on, and one the Ravens can agree on. That's going to be beneficial for both sides and keep him here for the next four or five years. That is an absolute must. The Ravens, of course, this is a yay pick. The Ravens have to pick and get Michael Pierce back as a restricted free agent. This is a no-brainer. Um, and finally, the last yay or nay here, uh, C.J. Mosley. What should the Ravens do with C.J. Mosley? I see a lot of debate online about what the Ravens have to do with Mosley, inside linebacker, uh, four-time Pro Bowler, four-time second-team All-Pro. Um, a lot of guys say he can't cover, and that's too big of a problem for the Ravens. A lot of people say that you know he's going to command too much and the Ravens should move on. And other people say he's invaluable and, and the Ravens can't afford to lose him. Um, so where do I stand on this? I would say the Ravens can't afford to lose him. You see what happens when he goes out. You see that... In the Bengals game earlier this season, um, C.J. Mosley goes out on an injury, and they run rampant over the middle. I mean, he does have problems covering one-on-one. I'm, I'm not denying it, right? But when he's not there, it's 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 night and day, right? C.J. Mosley's impact on this defense is so great that it, it, it can literally make or break the defense. And I don't think that the Ravens are going to find the production that C.J. Mosey has out of Patrick Onwaso or Kenny Young. Two good players, two developing players, but they're not C.J. Mosley. They are not that 
that talent. That they're not C.J. Mosley. They're not the talent C.J. Mosley has. They're not the instinct C.J. Mosley has. They're not the physical ability C.J. Mosley has. C.J. Mosley has all of it. Everything you need in a football player, he's got it. A p- professional man too. So I think not resigning C.J. Mosley would be a huge mistake for the Baltimore Ravens, um, and they have to resign him. Um, and I know the Ravens are floating the franchise tag around. I hope it doesn't come to that because then they're going to have to spend a little too much money. But they have to get him to maybe a $10 million deal. Well, not $10 million deal, but $10 million annual uh, dollar deal for five years. So make it a $50 million deal over five years. And that is much more worth a deal than I think Brandon Williams is looking back retrospectively. Um, and and, and, and C.J. Mosley is a fantastic player again. And I cannot see the Ravens letting him walk, especially with this long tradition of inside linebackers. They go one year without Ray Lewis, and they reach up in the draft at the 16th pick, I think they were in 20, the 2014 draft, and grab C.J. Mosley right there to be the next guy. And if you can get you know long-term production out of another inside linebacker, you're going to solidify this team as you know defensive uh, central in the NFL. Um, so I think it's very important that the Ravens bring him back as soon as possible. Now we want to talk a little bit about um, the potential of getting Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, obviously, if you're not paying attention to the Steelers here, Le'Veon Bell um, declined to sign his franchise tag this year, wanted a long-term deal from the Steelers. The Steelers would not give him a long-term deal. Uh, that resulted in problems for both parties. Uh, Bell sat out the entire year. The Steelers lost their star running back, and now he's heading for free agency. Um, and Antonio Brown demanding a trade from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, posting a video, hashtag new demands, now I do what I want, you know, leaving the Steelers for another team. <sighs> There's talk about the Ravens, Ravens fans, Ravens, some Ravens players out there trying to get both of these guys to come to the Ravens. And I'm going to tell you why neither of these guys should come to the Ravens. And it's not just an anti-Pittsburgh Steelers fan right here, right? Just because I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan, I, I'm not going to be blinded by, by, by my bias against the Steelers here and say that I don't want them because they're Steelers. I'm going to say that I don't want them because of the money they com- they're both going to command and the way they're going to interact with this team. First of all, both these players are going to command over $10 million per year each. Okay, 31-year-old Antonio Brown and 27-year-old Le'Veon Bell, something like that. Let me check up on that. But when you have these guys commanding huge money, you're going to be stuck on on these veteran contracts. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is about to be 27. You'll be stuck on these veteran contracts, and you won't be able to maneuver your cap to other spaces, to maybe C.J. Mosley, to maybe Zadarius Smith, to maybe Michael Pierce. You know, these are uh, these are guys that you can find production in elsewhere. And I know that you can't just plug in another receiver for Antonio Brown or plug in another running back for Le'Veon Bell. But you're going to be able to find guys who can do the job you're asking them for less money. And especially, this is especially a problem with these guys. The Steelers have created a culture in Pittsburgh of now I do what I want and it's all about me, 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 and never about the team. These are two players, and I don't blame Bell as much because Bell was not given a long-term contract that he deserved as a running back. Um, but I still think some of the actions he did as the running back in Pittsburgh, the way he acted on this deal, I mean, it, it doesn't really speak of professionalism. It doesn't speak of a guy who's willing to put everything out there for his team. It's more concerned with me. And there's nothing wrong with being concerned about yourself. But when you're, when you're going to just throw your team under the bus because this is not advantageous to you, especially Antonio Brown here, 
who has done this time after time after time. He has been a, a locker room problem for years. And, you know, Ryan Clark goes on ESPN and tells him about this story that he screamed at, at the well-respected, I, don't, I haven't heard of a more respected coach than Dick LeBeau, maybe ever, right? The legendary Dick LeBeau was the defensive coordinator, and he screamed at him because his guys were, were touching him in practice. Well, yeah, you're the wide receiver in practice. That's what's supposed to happen. But no, no, I, Antonio Brown, am the king of the franchise. I can't be touched. I can't be, you know, I can't be ever at risk of injury because I am so important to this franchise, even before he was the superstar he is now. I mean, these are two guys who are going to cause problems in this Ravens locker room. More more Antonio Brown than Le'Veon Bell. But, and they're going to be ridiculously priced. Um, especially Antonio Brown because he's going to come at a huge contract. Cap space is going to be gutted for him. And the Ravens will have to give him, give the Steelers a pick in the draft. A, a, a high pick in the draft, I would assume, for Antonio Brown. So, is it worth trading for Antonio Brown? No. Is it worth signing Le'Veon Bell? No. I'd rather go after a guy in the draft, test out what Eric DaCosta can do, evaluating wide receivers and running backs, and see what the Ravens can come up with. There are plenty of guys out there. There are even free agents out there that we'll be talking about in the coming weeks that the Ravens could could go after. So I don't think any of these two are necessarily worth it for the Ravens, in complete honesty. Um, I'd rather go with younger players, players who are not going to be locker room problems and guys who we can trust to keep the chemistry with this team um, because Harbaugh is a no-nonsense coach. And he won't put up with any of the antics that Le'Veon Bell or um, Antonio Brown especially would bring into this team. So I don't really want any of these players uh, in this organization. Um, but speaking of the draft, the Ravens, of course, have the upcoming draft to worry about, uh, that and free agency, and we'll talk about these as the weeks go by. Uh, it's only February 13th, um, so... Not a whole lot of news happening. The combine is at the end of this month. It's going to start and then really heat up in the uh, beginning of March. Uh, but the Ravens have a few picks this year in the draft. So obviously they don't have their second round pick because they traded it to Philadelphia last year in order to climb into the first round and grab Lamar Jackson. So the Ravens instead have a first round pick, a third round pick. They might get another third round pick if uh, the Ravens are compensated for Jensen. Um, yeah as a um, compensatory pick. That's what the general consensus is, that Jensen is a third-round compensatory pick. Um, so the Ravens should have two third-rounders. The Ravens will likely have four third, four, sorry, two fourth-rounders. Um, they already have their, their fourth-rounder from themselves, and they will likely have Denver's fourth-rounder, as that's what's reported to be the pick that they got for Flacco. Um, they also have a fifth-round pick, a sixth-round pick, and Tennessee's sixth-round pick for trading Kamale Correa to the Titans last year. No seventh round pick. So in total, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight with that compensatory pick. That's eight picks. Not bad. They were sitting at just six picks a few days ago. Now with the compensatory pick probably coming in and the Denver Broncos giving them that fourth round pick, the Ravens pick up some huge draft capital and they can trade back into the second round if they so choose to. Uh, with two fourth rounders and two third rounders, I'm sure they could get themselves back into and two six-rounders, too. They can get themselves back into the second round if they so choose to do that. Um, so this week, uh, we're instituting a draft prospect of the week and free agent of the week, guys who I think are worth noting that the Ravens might go after. Um, so let's talk about the draft prospect of the week first. You, I've got DK Metcalf here making a huge firestorm on social media. Um, you probably saw, if you're on Twitter at all, 
that picture of him going around of him in the gym next to some other of I think I think they're old miss players if I'm correct uh, don't really hold me hold me to that but showing off um, how how big he really is as a wide receiver I mean he's ginormous right um, he's a guy who obviously is gonna be able to to be very physical um, in the NFL as a wide receiver push guys around go up get balls fight guys I mean this is uh, a, a good specimen for a wide receiver pick. Um, but do his numbers, that's the question now, do his numbers really match up with what we're seeing out on the field, I'm sorry, out in the gym? So obviously he could be the best specimen to be a, a prospect f- of all time, right? But is he is he a guy that we can rely on? Uh, and here's some questions that I have about him. He has played... In his three years with the Ole Miss, um, what are they, the Rebels? I don't know. With Ole Miss, Eli Manning's team, he has played 21 games in three years. There are 12 games per year in college that he missed um, 15 games and played 21. He, he only played two games as, as a freshman, um, and that might just be because he was a freshman. I don't actually know. I, I don't have the statistics on that. He played 12 games in 2017, full 12 games. Uh, I don't know if they went to a bowl or not. And sophomore year, only seven. So he obviously missed time in his sophomore year. Uh, but he does have an average of 18.3, um, 18.3 yards per catch on 67 attempts for 12, 28 yards in total, 14 touchdowns. He is a downfield threat. He's a guy who I'm going to be scouting a little bit more in the coming weeks. I haven't really gotten to that point yet. Um, but I think he could be a big addition for the Ravens. I don't know a whole lot about him yet, but I do want to really touch on the fact that he's a big downfield threat, and he's obviously um, built like you would want a wide receiver to be built like. He's a strong guy um, and certainly could be a, an option for the Ravens in the first round. But I'm not really sure if these statistics line up to, for him to be a first-round draft prospect when I get to his film review, as I will definitely do him as a film review. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what I think DK Metcalf, um, or is it Metcalf? I can't speak today. Metcalf. Metcalf. DJ Metcalf. DK Metcalf. What I think DK Metcalf is capable of in the NFL. We'll talk a little bit about that as we get closer to the NFL draft this April. Um, And of course, our free agent of the week, our inaugural one, is actually a big name target. Jadavion Clowney. Uh, Obviously, Jadavion Clowney, a freakish athlete coming out of South Carolina was drafted number one overall in 2014, if my memory serves me correctly. Yes, 2014. Had injury concerns in college, but it didn't really pan out to be that bad in the NFL. He has missed a few games, um, you know, at least, I think one game per year. He's missed one game per year at least, um, but he's been health, relatively healthy over the past two years. 2018 played 15 out of 17 games, um, and 2016... He played 16 out of seven out of 17 games. Oh no, no, he didn't go to the playoffs in 2017. So he played the full 16 games in 2017. 14 out of 17 in 2016. I think that Jadavion Clowney um, is going to be a big free agent target. He's had over nine. He's had a 9.5 sacks in 2017 and 9.0 sacks 2018. Uh, he's had 205 tackles so far in his young NFL career. Uh, if the Texans cannot re-sign him, I think he could be a big-name target. And if the Ravens can't re-sign um, 
Zedaria Smith or don't want to resign Zedaria Smith, they could book some cap space for Jadavion Clowney as they are dumping Flacco's contract and he can easily get more cap space by dumping Jimmy Smith's contract or Eric Weddle's contract. So I think that he could be an option for the Ravens. If you know, you may not believe it now, but come time for um, come time for free agency, I think he'll be he'll he'll be on the market. Um, you know, unless he gets franchise tagged by the Texans. Um, but it looks like right now he's heading for the open market. Unless they they either are gonna have to franchise tag him or come in and, and grab him for a long term deal that he'll agree to. But he can, he's gonna command quite a lot of money on the open market, and the Ravens might, you know, you never know, I, I really don't see it as a huge Ravens move, something that they would, you know, really do, but I think, you know, Eric DeCosta might want to make a big splash in his first year as GM, and could go after Jadavion Clowney in his first year, but you know what, I'm just trying to hype us up a little bit here, it's really not that realistic, but it's definitely a possibility, so I want to throw it out there and see what we can, you know, what the Ravens might be able to do, and kind of discuss that. Okay, so that concludes our uh, episode 26 of Nest Talk here, uh, hosted by BaltimoreFeather.com. We'll be back next week, hopefully with a lot more information as, you know, news is slow now, so it's going to be more opinionated stuff until we hit the draft. And I'm thinking about doing maybe a live thing for the draft. I'm not really sure what I'll do, but, you know, we'll find out uh, as we get closer. I'll make plans for that. So I hope everybody has a great week. Uh, I'm Chris Linfont. You can find me at Chris Linfont on Twitter. You can find Nest Talk at Nest Talk on Twitter. You can find Baltimore Feather at Be More Feather on Twitter. Or you can like us on Facebook. Just search up Baltimore Feather or Nest Talk on Facebook. Or you can always just go to BaltimoreFeather.com to get updated with the latest and greatest Ravens news, opinions, and analysis, along with the latest podcast episodes. Thank you for tuning into Nest Talk episode 26, recorded on uh, the day before Valentine's, actually. Uh, February 13th, 2019. We'll see you all next week. Uh, Have a great week, everybody.